In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And don't go gently, y'all. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I don't stop when I'm tired. I stop when I'm done. David Goggins. We went, I think, 11 miles by 10 a.m. on a trail. Okay, and then at around mile 15, we got off trail and we had to start doing our off trail stuff. It took us, we summited Wind River Peak at 13,000 feet and we had to descend down a gully. Super sketchy, talus, loose rock, cliffs. It took us, we only had to go like a mile and a half. It took us two, it took us over two hours to descend that mile and we were just ripped up. Like, I mean, dehydrated altitude, exhausted, scared, cause it was pretty scary up there. We were trying to beat the sun, just could not pitch a tent up there. And my buddy looks at me, he says, I don't think I can do this for six more days. <laughs> I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the Trail Dirt Bags and Hiker Trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. We'll start off with a reminder, if you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest, a longtime friend of the pod and bona fide outdoor influencer, Chad Lubinsky. How's it going, Chad? I'm doing great. It's nice to see you again, Doc. Same here. So I saw you chuckle a little bit when I said a bona fide outdoor influencer. You think that's an accurate description? Yeah, you know, I think and I think influencer has like this like weird context around it now because they're like, you know, when I think of influencer, I think of like a Kardashian kind of. 
something like that. And so I like to refer to it as a creator, <laughs> content creator. Outdoor. But you're right. It's, it's it's the same thing, basically. <laughs> so this whole Kardashian thing, is there a new trail name in there for you somewhere? Oh, that's not bad. Maybe Hollywood or something like that. <laughs> Hollywood. I like it. I like it. All right. So remind us, though, of your trail name. Do you have a trail name? I've, I've, been t- I've taken to calling you uh, Chattahoochee or Hoochie. I love it. Your your Instagram handle. Right. I love Hooch. I love I love it when you call me Hooch. Yeah. And I th- I should probably just switch it to that. But the only trail name I have is called Scratch from the Colorado Trail. And that was because I got these horrendous, this horrendous rash on both of my legs for like two weeks on the CT. And I had to get off, hitch out and get it taken care of, come back all on the same day. <laughs> it, was like, it was pretty crazy. Yeah scratch i mean that, that's good that's a good trail name but in, yeah. in my mind you're you're always hooch so i i may i may not be able to convert yeah no i like it i love hooch so that works for me <laughs> okay. hey hooch have you been listening to the podcast at all lately been a little bit but honestly i've been really into what the heck have i been listening to health and fitness podcasts a lot so i've been listening to a lot of huberman lab have you ever heard of him Really good guy. Yeah. uh, What does he deal with? Yeah. So he talks a lot about just different general health aspects. So like one that I've really been interested in is all about how light affects your hormones. And so it's actually, it, it makes sense for a lot of us backpackers. Like when we wake up super early in the morning, you get this and you get light straight to your eye. It actually sets your circadian rhythm. And so that's why we like end up going to bed so freaking early all the time. Like, remember when we were talking, we were talking about like making a hiker midnight or something like that. That's right. Last podcast. And, and so it's, it sets your circadian rhythm. And then also it sets off all these other really good hormones for the day. So he's like a big proponent of getting this light first thing in the morning in your eyes. And ever since then, I've like every morning now, like when I wake up, and I'm backpacking. I never put my sunglasses on for like hours when I used to always put them on right away. So now I'm like, I'm getting that circadian rhythm and getting those good hormones. So yeah, really cool podcast to check out. <laughs> Man, that could have been your pro tip inside of the week, but you already ruined it. <laughs> That's true. I did. I did get one written down. So, <laughs> okay. All right. Can't wait to hear it. The must bring gear review. All right, Hooch. I'm sure you're familiar with this segment in the podcast. We've got a feature we've been doing called the must bring gear review. And it's sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, Six Moon Designs. Here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that uh, specific piece of gear, even better. So Hooch, what what uh, what qualifies yeah. as a must bring piece of gear for you? So this is that's a good question. And okay, so I know that we've you've probably got every single backpacking answer under the moon, under the six moon, right? I like that. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with, and if I can't do this, you can tell me. But I'm gonna go with a piece of filming equipment for anybody that's trying to film something. So what I recently picked up was. The DJI Mini, uh, which I was just telling you, I, I had to, we had to, I had to ditch our last podcast because I had a drone gig that I had to do, and so actually I have it right here. One, one second, I just got it back. It's this big. Check that out. Wow, that's, that's how big it is. Yeah, I mean it probably looks big in the video right now, but I mean like this is my hand. 
Yeah, if like, you hold it that close to the camera, of course it's going to look huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. Right. So like right here, I mean, it's literally the size of like the palm of my hand. Obviously, you got to you got to pull out the propellers and stuff. But dude, this thing like for YouTube videos and stuff to getting for getting establishing shots of like where you're at and just different unique views has been absolutely incredible for me. Like all my best performing YouTube videos this year have been because of the drone shots. I think it's just, it's, it's a different view and it draws people in. So it's super light and for backpacking, absolutely perfect. Okay. Well, you know, you, you bring up a, a, an interesting point because as uh, as an outdoor influencer or a, a, a content creator, um, you have YouTube, you've got Instagram, any other big brands, uh, big uh, pieces of social media? Yeah, I'm on TikTok as well. That's right, TikTok. Yeah. I, I see you on TikTok. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're on there too. Yeah, those are the three main ones. Yeah. Okay. And how big are they for you? I mean, how many followers do you have? Yeah. Yeah. So I was lucky and I got on TikTok at a really good time in 2020. And so I was able to uh, get a pretty good following on there. And so right now I'm at 34.5,000. And then Instagram, I'm at 21.8 thousand. And then YouTube has been the one that has been my Achilles heel, actually. That has been, I was actually just sitting down looking at analytics before we got on. And I was just like, it is freaking tough to grow on YouTube. It's getting easier though with YouTube Shorts, so that's like a that's a good tip for anybody that's wanting to grow on there and monetize faster. That's it's getting better with that. So, yeah. Huh. So let's say hypothetically that uh, some podcast host out there has not heard of YouTube Shorts. What what <laughs> what exactly is uh, YouTube Shorts? Because you're right, it's tough to grow on YouTube. <laughs> First of all, Doc, I gotta say I commend you for learning all of this stuff because it it could be a lot of stuff, right? And the fact that you're you're doing the podcast, you're crushing it on the podcast. I just want to say you're doing a great job. And as far as YouTube Shorts go, it's basically Instagram Reels and TikTok just on YouTube. It's basically the only. That's basically how you explain it. It's everything that I create on TikTok, I repurpose for Instagram and then YouTube. I like don't change anything about it. Maybe I'll put like a different song on there or something. But you can download for free off of TikTok. The TikTok you made, so say you made a podcast thing, you want to put it on YouTube. Right. You take the link, you put it into this app called SnapTick. It removes the watermark, then you upload it to YouTube, and then you get exposure that way. SnapTick. That that sounds like a great trail name. SnapTick. That's another good one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. Because uh, you know, looking at the analytics and and trying to grow your audience, yeah. I mean, it's tough out there. It's tough out there. And right now it's getting, not that it's getting tougher to, to, to grow, but it is getting tougher, like monetize, you know, cause we're in a recession. I've been like all into this stuff. Right. So like you're in a recession now, so less people are advertising. So you're actually, your um, what they're called is your CPMs or your RPMs are going down. So okay. it's, I've seen ad revenue decrease. We'll just say that, <laughs> but Hey, you still gotta you still gotta make your money. You still gotta still a good time to grow though. Somebody else told me that the the algorithms now are now <coughs> designed to uh, have that video content. It's uh, they want you to post stuff to your story. They want stuff to you know be posted to Reels. Uh, yes. They want to try and emulate like Snapchat. Yeah, that's absolutely correct, and that's why I was able to grow on Instagram. I mean, if you looked at my Instagram a year and a half ago, I think I was at. 
a thousand followers. And so they started prioritizing reels. And so whatever it is that, so if you think about it as real estate, if you're going to buy a house somewhere, you want to buy a house like in an up and coming neighborhood. It's the same thing with like the algorithm. So like when you see that, like maybe one of these platforms is trending towards a certain feature, like you want to get on it fast. Like that's how I grew on TikTok fast. That's how I grew on Instagram fast. I still haven't caught that train though with, with YouTube yet, but yeah, you want to get like that underappreciated attention and that underappreciated real estate before it gets swiped up. And then there's, you know, it's like a gold rush essentially. Yeah. There's underappreciated real estate and there's just underappreciated. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> JFM. Jogger JFM. <laughs> yep. All right. It's the Hawking Pole. All right. Are you, do you like these little transitions that I've added in? Dude, I was, I was literally, I, it, that was one of the things I was going to comment on. Like that is awesome pattern interrupts right there. That's like a classic YouTube thing that people do. So I absolutely love it, doc. You're <laughs> crushing it, man. Yeah, I'm using my Tascam mini studio creator. It's got oh, some awesome. pro programmable buttons and I've got, I got my daughter, even though she sounds like she has an English accent you know, she was born in Southern California, raised in Southern California. She just thinks she's British occasionally. Uh -huh, sure. And so I asked her to, to help out with the podcast and she, she recorded those. Uh, those oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I yeah, didn't even, I didn't even know that. That's let's so cool. It again, this, this is my daughter. Who's, who's totally American. It's the Hawking pole. No way, <laughs> dude. So did you edit it? Were you able to edit it like up a little bit to? Yeah. To I put a little it... reverb in that. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's so cool, man. I Brilliant. Brilliant. I love it. So I think the last time you were on Hooch, we talked about uh, seven questions related to hiking with the hiking pole. And when I have repeat customers on the podcast, I like to change it up a little bit. I don't want to recycle the same seven hiking type questions with you. So I decided that we're going to take a little break from hiking. We're going to explore some of the big issues that uh, we're wrestling with right now out in the world. This has nothing to do with hiking whatsoever. Ooh, okay. Right? And I think on some of these, you could probably spend an entire episode, maybe even a podcast season on some right. of these questions. But I'm just going to get your quick take. It's going to allow me to kind of get uh, see, see what side of the fence you fall on and give you a score between one and 100 on the sanity scale. Okay. Okay. Let's do this. Have you seen, have you seen these questions? No, I haven't. No. Are you nervous? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, good. Good. I like, I like you a little bit nervous. Yeah. Before, before we start, what would your family, what kind of score would your family give you on the sanity scale with one oh. being completely crazy and 100 being completely sane? One. They'd give me a one. Really? You're, yeah. You're yeah. far down on the scale. hundred percent. Yeah. Are you, are you an only child? No, I have a, a brother and a sister, a twin brother and sister, uh, younger than me, five years younger. Twin fraternal, they're fraternal. I always tell people this, they're like, I don't get it. They're fraternal twins. They're the same age, but they're my brother and sister. Yeah. Got it. You don't have a twin. You no. have, you have twin siblings though. Correct. Got it. Got yep. it. Are they also uh, content creators, outdoor influencers? No, they are like pretty much the complete opposite of me, I would say. <laughs> Well, yeah. and hence the score on the scale. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. First question, big question. Does pineapple belong on pizza? No. <laughs> okay. Definitive. Enough, definitive enough no. said. Enough said, dude. I don't like what? sweet. I just don't like sweet stuff on my pizza. It's got to be like sausage 
and uh, mushrooms is the best. If I could have one thing, it would just be mushrooms. But like sweet stuff, no, nah, that's not cool. <laughs> okay. Do you like pineapple? <laughs> I do. Just by itself, though. Yeah, and I love sweets. Just not on your pizza. Just not my pizza. Okay. All right. <laughs> Question number two. Do you roll your toilet paper over or under? Over. over but right. currently, right now, it's under for whatever reason. Because I think I did it. I think I put a new one on in the dark or something. I don't know what I was doing. You got to open up your eyes in the morning and get that light in. <laughs> right. when, you change, when you change the toilet paper roll. There you go, man. You're listening. You know. <laughs> Circadian rhythm. That's right. <laughs> So why why is over the appropriate way to do it, not under? I think it's just like a literal pain in the ass to have it underneath. It's like it's hard to grab because then you have to go under the roll. To I don't know. It just seems weird. It's more natural like over. I would say more people have to do it over, wouldn't you think? I would what think do so. You do? What I would do you do? Over. Oh, definitely over. Yeah, yeah. I, I have strong feelings on this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over at my brother's house and it's under, I'll change it. I'll change it for him. I might even, oh, call, him in. I might even call him in while I'm sitting there and say, Hey, that's wh savage. What, what are you doing here? <laughs> that's so savage. Yeah. All right. Question three, cats or dogs? Oh, so here's the thing. Cats are really cool because they can take care of themselves. That's mad respect. The house that I was at last time we did uh, interviews, we had a cat that was like an indoor outdoor cat. And he would like basically roam the streets all day. We'd see him on the top of a neighbor's house and stuff across the street. And then he just like, he'd get into cat fights all day and then he'd come back and he'd eat and he'd like sleep there. And then he'd be out the next day. Like that's pretty cool to me. But I got to say like, I definitely like, oh man, I don't know, man. I'm kind of torn. Definitely not little dogs. I'm not a little dog fan. I just, I don't like little dogs, but you know, those mid-size, we were always raised with German shepherds. I love those, those type, but mm -hmm. I got to say for my lifestyle, <laughs> probably cats because <laughs> they can take care of themselves. You're going to be gone for extended periods of time. You need them to be able to exist yeah. without you. Exactly. Exactly. Right. They don't give off a whole lot of affection though. Not normally. Right. And that, that's a little, that, that kind of sucks, but you know, it's a pros and cons thing. <laughs> yeah. I guess. All right. Hey, let's get back to food here. Question number four is a hot dog, a sandwich. No. Uh, no, no, it's not. I guess. No, I guess it is. I guess it is, but that's weird to think about. It seems like it's in its own category. But yeah, I think like technically, yeah, it would be. Okay, so take us through your thought process right there. Because at first you said no, and then I, I saw the wheels turning and, and you, you ended up at yes. So Yeah, because, well, it seems like a normal sandwich has just like, you know, it's from a loaf of bread type of, I don't know, flat sandwich. But like a hot dog, <laughs> it just looks... It's got a, its own bun, like a hot dog bun. That's a giveaway, maybe. Yeah. It's got an own bun. Because, like, you wouldn't call it a hamburger a sandwich. So I'm going, no, it's not a sandwich. I'm going to go, no. We're, we're back to no. Yeah. What, what is the definition of a sandwich? 
So what's the qualifying <laughs> criteria? Oh, man, dude. I think that it's got to have... It's got to have bread instead of a bun. Okay. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, but I guess it could also be like... Uh, yeah, because then you have wraps, right? You have wraps. It's not really a sandwich. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a subcategory of a sandwich. So I think like you have sandwiches, and then you have subcategories of each one, maybe. Okay, so is a That's hot dog what... a subcategory of a sandwich? Yeah, I think so. All right. <laughs> You're making so... me feel really stupid. Well, I, no, it's, it's... Like I said these are big questions. I mean, there's a lot of room. Big these. questions. Yeah. yeah. All right. Question number five. What is your most useful skill in case of a zombie apocalypse? Jiu-jitsu. Oh. Yeah, for sure. Although I, I have I've been slacking on it when I was training for my ultra, but I've been getting back into it. So yeah, no, I think I think jujitsu for sure. Yeah. You think yeah. jujitsu is an appropriate fighting style for Zombies? Well, if it was one-on-one combat, if it was one-on-one combat, yes, Mm -hmm. I think so. If not, the skill probably would have to be, well, one, as backpackers, you have all of the skills and all of the stuff necessary. Actually, I just did a TikTok on this. You have all the stuff necessary to go and survive, and you know all the good spots in the woods with water and all that stuff, maybe game that you can hunt. So... That would probably be my secondary one. So you have to have a defense, you know, to defend yourself, but you also have to have some strategy behind that. Yeah. You know, the the most popular mythology with the zombies is that uh, you yourself can become a zombie if you're bitten by a zombie. Right. So I see what you're saying. Yeah. So maybe like choking one out on jujitsu might not be the best move. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Well, in that case, maybe then I do have, uh, I am pretty good with a bow or decent with a bow. So maybe that would work. Oh, yeah. Because then you could retreat. You wouldn't have to worry about running out of ammo because then you could retrieve your arrow. Oh, if it didn't break. You know, yeah. You see, you see. I do. I see that. Yes. Yeah. Kind okay. of practical. <laughs> question. You're doing fine here, Hooch. Doing a great job. You're doing fine. Doing a great job. Okay. Uh, question number six. If you had the choice, would you travel 100 years in the future or 100 years in the past? Hmm. I when would what would be a hundred years in the past? What are we? Twenty twenty two? Nineteen twenty two. That'd be nineteen twenty two. See now if we were looking at eighteen twenty two, if we were doing two hundred years, oh, I'd do that. Yeah. Okay, well, but if we're alter, do, if let's alter the question. Two hundred years in the future or two hundred years in the past? Wow, two hundred years in the future. I wonder what that'll look like. Right? Definitely. I think definitely you gotta go backwards. Eighteen twenty two that's around the time a little bit after, but Lewis and Clark type stuff where there's still territories and oh, it'd be wild. That would be sad. Cause all the, my favorite things to watch on, if I'm watching a show, like if I have to get into like some kind of fantasy show or something, it's always like in the 1800s or any kind of movie. I love that. Yeah. 
Okay. I like how you, you're tying some of these questions to, you know, the outdoors and, uh, right. and through hiking, backpacking, living out living off the land. It's all I know. <laughs> yeah. So I think that question is really, you know, going back to what you've heard about versus taking a chance on what's possibly going to be happening in the future. Yeah. And that's kind of scary. Cause I mean, you, you, in the future, it's just in terms of like what's happening. I mean, I mean, you live in California, you've seen all the fires. Yeah. You, you know, it's there. So it's like, I don't know what 200 years would look like. I mean, we might not even be on this planet to be completely honest with you. <laughs> Pretty scary thought. Yeah. That's I mean, what is that? 4,000. That'd be 4,022. That's no. so wild. No, not four. Or no, that's, that's 2000 years in the future there. Hooch. <laughs> okay. We definitely aren't going to be here then. No, <laughs> that'd be 20, 22, 22. <laughs> oh, math question next. Oh, don't. No, that's why I know. Yeah, I'm terrible at it. <laughs> oh, right. that's great. Good stuff. Last question. Uh, I know you've listened to some episodes of the mm-hmm. podcast. Who's Who's been your favorite guest that you've heard? I think I, I, I talked about this last. Well, there's a couple. One was Rebecca Ann. Little Skittle. Right. Little Skittle, yeah, she's cool. Because I I had followed her on the trek uh, several years ago when she was on doing that, and then it was those guys that that did the FKT, the JMT, Gabe and which, Kevin, which was imp- so impressive. I mean, yeah, just no, obviously knowing that trail, it's just like, wow, yeah, very impressive. So. I love being inspired by stuff like that because it always is, you kind of always bring it back to when you're doing something or training for something and you think, yeah, but they did this. Like I shouldn't be, I'm being a little baby with this. So I really like those inspirational type of episodes as well. Yeah. Little side comment. Uh, we're still on the, we're still, we, we just finished up the hiking pool and I'll give you your score in just a second. But along those lines, I had the chance to talk to Jeff Garmeyer, AKA legend. Oh, yeah. Uh, after his his uh, FKT of the JMT, did you hear how oh. quickly he did it? Wasn't it like th- was it like three? Was it something like that? Yeah, seventy two hours and forty seven minutes. So, uh, dude, <laughs> like absolutely crazy. I do. <clears throat> excuse me. I do remember watching one of his Instagram stories where he was like hallucinating real bad. Or something like during the day too. Right. Yeah. So wild. He that's, is a legend. Yeah, that's seventy miles a day for three days. Yeah, I just yeah, Crazy. incredible. Crazy. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah, it really is. And he's and then he runs. Then I think he ran like a hundred, like a couple. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. All right. Hey, let me do some quick math. Let me put it into the algorithm here. I got to see. Got to carry the two. Going to divide by root of three. Yes. Multiply yes. times pi, <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna adjust for the uh, the amount of pollutants in the air in the year four thousand twenty two, <laughs> and call. I come up with a score of fifty three for you. Fifty three. Out of what? Hundred. Out of a hundred. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's not. That's you're failing. Slightly. But... You're slightly sane. Okay. Oh, okay. Got you. That's right. That's right. That's right. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. 
the four thousand probably knocked me down a little bit. That was like twenty-seven points. Yeah, you're doing fine yeah. to hit that, and it just yeah. fell apart from there. <laughs> For sure. Okay. All right. Hey, I know you've been a guest on the on the podcast before. Some of our listeners may be familiar with you. Some some may not. May, some may have no idea who you are or why I'm talking to you. So uh, remind us a little bit uh, where you grew up, what your background was, and how did you get involved in the outdoor adventure lifestyle? Yeah. So I am from the Midwest, Wisconsin, and I basically took a road tr- or I actually traveled out here with my girlfriend at the time we moved right out of college didn't know anybody moved to oregon it was 2014 we had zero friends i literally remember like sitting in our apartment watching how i met your mother we would refer to them as our friends because we knew nobody here which was pretty wild and yeah i've always been attracted to the outdoors we took a lot of college trips doing snowboarding and things like that and when i would get back from those trips back to the midwest i was like yeah i don't think like this is kind of working for me anymore so that's like when we ultimately decided to go so yeah i've been out here ever since we're actually looking at moving possibly i can't say where but it's a different state it's a different state wow how come you can't say where is that big surprise no i don't want i don't want people rushing to this place i feel like it's an up-and-coming place oh I guess I'm like in the scarcity mindset, maybe. <laughs> I'm not in the abundant mindset for this one right now. So I'll tell you when we move, though. I'll let you know. You'll be the first one to know. <laughs> All right. So is it in yeah. the US? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yep, yep. You just don't want to drive up property values until you've secured your, your spot. It's just like social media. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Tag lightly. Yeah. Although nobody's really probably buying places right now with everything going on. I don't know. At least that's what I hear. Yeah. But same same girlfriend or did you get married? Yeah, same yep, same girlfriend from last time that we were on. And so yeah, she's awesome. Haley's doing great. And she's yeah. been your girlfriend since 2014. No, no. That's the no, that that one moved to like San Francisco or something. She's getting married though, I think. Just good not for her. Me. Just yeah. not to me. Yeah, okay. that one wouldn't work out. Haley is still hanging out with you, though. Yeah, Haley's hanging out with me. God so. bless her. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. So, yeah, it's been good. She had an interview yesterday for this job, and now it would be really trying to figure out how I would fully monetize and be like a full time income off of like the creator stuff, which is a little scary. It's been stressing me out a little bit the past couple days because I still have a full-time job right now. And, you know, it's pretty secure. But it's not like what I want to do for the rest of my life. What is your full-time job? I do cognitive behavioral therapy groups for oh, people on right. probation. Yeah. That's so, right. So it's, it's fine. I've just been doing it for too long. You know, been eight years. And mm-hmm. obviously, I like to do new things and push myself. So... Yeah, I'd be really jumping off the uh, ledge, I think, if I quit and then try to do the creator stuff full time. Right. So, yeah. Cognitive behavioral therapy in the um, correctional system. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been involved in a like a prison riot? Have you ever had to hunker down? Wait well, sorted themselves yeah. out. Or? Well, I have, well, I don't work in the, in a, in the prison. I actually, it, these are people out of custody. So they're on probation. 
Got it. So I never, I never go in the, the, yeah, which would suck. Like I could not imagine myself like being in the actual, yeah, that would suck. But I'm trying to think like, really, I haven't really had any issues. And I think that's because if you treat people with respect, usually they will respect you for the most part. And the only time I've ever really seen people like get jacked up is when I go across the street to the parole and probation, the actual parole and probation office. And sometimes maybe like a PO kind of isn't, you know, I've always kind of had it in my head. I was like, yeah, that particular PO, they kind of come off a little bit, maybe a little bit demeaning. And mm-hmm. I never want to be like that. Right. And that's always those POs that kind of have the issues with people that get riled up at no surprise. Yeah. So I see that and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So, you know, I have to think that if you introduce yourself as the uh, outdoor influencer or the content creator, maybe give them a sticker as you, right. as you, you, you first strike up your conversation. I mean, that, that might go a long way. You know, it's funny is I, out of all the clients I've worked with, nobody's ever brought it up. I'm like, huh, that's really interesting. Like, I'm glad they haven't brought it up because I don't know how that would, yeah, I don't know what that would look like because it's always kind of a conflict of interest type of thing, but yeah. nobody's ever said anything about it. I'm like, they must, their algorithm must, they must really not be like into outdoor stuff. <laughs> like, I guess that makes sense, right? It's probably why they have really bad coping skills at this point in their lives, which is what we're trying to fix, but <laughs> yeah. Right. So could we, could we extrapolate that had they been involved in the outdoors, maybe they wouldn't have gotten onto that, that path that they're currently on. Yeah, absolutely. I always tell them when I'm leading my classes, I say, okay, I want you to look over at the jail, which we're like right across from it. And I was like, I want you to think about how many people are in that jail or stateside, which is what they refer to as prison. I want you to think about how many people are in there and how many of those people had just inadequate coping skills to deal with some type of situation that other people on the outside have dealt with before. They just dealt with it in a different way. So I always try to make them think about like, think, obviously think before you act and play the tape forward to see where this could end you. You know, some, yeah, some guy mouthed off to you. Oh, I'm going to punch him in the face. Well, that's great. But now you've got an assault two or one and now you're landing in jail and you're getting booked in. So what are the pros and cons of these different things? And yeah, I think kind of extrapolating it out to people that are in jail or prison currently helps them kind of think about that in a different way. Yeah, I have a couple of follow-up questions on that, or maybe a couple of follow-up points. Uh, one is stateside. That's interesting. They refer to it as stateside. Yeah, yep, stateside. So yeah, it's just like common lingo. And and everybody knows also that if – so if you're going to get sentenced to something, like you don't want to do – you would rather do time. Like you'd rather do a year in jail rather than a year in prison. Or no, no, sorry. You would rather do a year in prison rather than a year in jail in county. So you have county and stateside. So prison is stateside, county is jail. And typically jail conditions aren't as good as prison conditions. Mm. As far as like livabilities type of thing. Because you're just crammed in with all these people in a pod. And you just, you don't have like TVs really. You don't have like a yard. You don't have activities. And so... Some, I mean, some prisons can be literally like dorm rooms. I mean, if they're a minimal security type thing, they've got upgraded slot on. Uh, yeah, pr- yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then so. uh, I like I like the way you point out to them. Hey, look across the street. How many people are in there? You know, did they, how did they get there? Not make 
didn't make the best decisions. You don't want to make those right. decisions. I employed a similar strategy in raising my kids. <laughs> really? I, yeah. I can say this now because they're all fully grown and the statute of limitations has, has run out. So yeah, yeah. anybody who's listening, who's about to get all angry about this, it all worked yeah. out. Don't worry. It all worked yeah, out. Yeah. But uh, I used to right. tell the kids that they, they have an older brother and an <laughs> older brother named Homer that uh, we had to take back to the orphanage because he wasn't cleaning his room. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he, Homer, Homer didn't listen too well, and yeah, yeah. We, we had to take him back. Oh, jeez. And that what? scared him straight? The yeah. rooms were clean. That's right. Sure. The rooms were sure. clean. There's less issues. We, we'd bring up we, – you know, we, we'd have a, a note from Homer at Christmas every year. You know, the, oh, my God. You really went full on. <laughs> I'm making that last part up. We didn't have a note from okay. Homer. But, but there was a kind of a running joke in the family. I, I, th- I think they were never sure if I was serious or not, but they, they right, weren't right. going to take any chances. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, that's, you know, again, it's just like, yeah, playing the tape forward and yeah, <laughs> crazy. That's good, though. Yeah, I get it. And you want to have your mind blown? What's that? Sure. Jeff, Legend Garmeyer, uh-huh. guess what else he does to you know just keep himself occupied, earn a buck here or there. He is a substitute teacher, <laughs> and so that that you know you you saying that you know nobody has ever brought it up in your interactions with with the people you work with. Um, I I wondered with him. I said, do the people know what they have, and does the school right, right. know who they have in that classroom with these kids? I mean, they, they've got Legend right. in the classroom working with these kids, which is just phenomenal. Right, and he he said, you know, the, the adults never figure it out. The administrators, really? other teachers, they 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 don't really know who he is. He's just a substitute, but the kids sometimes figure it out. They'll uh, they'll do a search on his name, and, and it'll right. come up, and they'll they'll figure out, you know, who he is and what he does, and they're just fascinated by it. Well, and that's that's a really good way to be a role model because. You can't. I remember when I first got into that career and I was giving advice to people that were twice my age and I had just got out of college and it's just like, well, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. Like I had no, I didn't have to deal with any adverse, you know, I went to college, whatever. I didn't really have to deal with any adversity at that point. And now that I've done like many, several things of like hard, difficult things, I feel way more confident now teaching that and teaching especially like the mindset type of stuff to people that are not that didn't have role models when they were growing up really that's a lot of it comes down to that as well so i bet like he gets really good respect from these people like he's not just like a regular you know they can look him up and see records and i mean he's a badass he is he is yeah I mean, how cool would that be to have him as your substitute teacher in, right. your, in your seventh grade English class? I mean, right, right. Yeah. Pretty darn cool. Crazy stuff. All right. So tell me, so you, we talked about, you know, what you're doing right now to pay the bills and you're, and you're considering or possibly in the future, you hope to be able to make this move to being supported through your, your social media and your influencing activities. Yep. Right. Yep. And I think since the last time I talked to you, talked to you, you have created something called outdoor media. Yeah. So I, so what I actually did what with that is it's a, so it's a keyword. So it's like a kind of a searchable keyword. So like if you were to go on Instagram and you just type in like outdoor media, hopefully like I would pop up there. Mm-hmm. And so then it gives you like a little bit more exposure. So I, I guess I haven't, 
what I like to refer to what I do is outdoor media, but like I haven't, I guess I did start kind of a business. I just kind of started it in my own name though, like an S corp. Okay. So it's just like, cause I could never, I can never just stay on one name. Like I know I would, I would change it. So I'm just like, I'm just going to put it in my freaking name. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, that's basically what I do with everything. I mean, everything is, that I'm putting out is outdoor media in a way, I guess, you know? So it had a good ring to it. Feels, you know, it's a good keyword for people to search too. Since all these systems are getting, all these platforms are going SEO, which is search engine optimization based, just like Google is. So it's good to get on that. Okay. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear about what you've been up to for the last year and a half. Talk about some outdoor adventures, some type two fun. And I noticed that you've been putting in some miles with some ultra marathons. And so we want to hear about that as well. So yes. stay tuned. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We're talking to the hooch, the infamous hooch, Chad Lubinsky. And... Was has it been a year and a half since the two of us spoke last? Couldn't be a year and a half, could it? Because we've done two podcasts prior to this, right? We've done yeah, two. This is number three for you. That's right. This is number three. Yeah. Okay. 
Maybe. I think it's about a year for sure. Okay. Well, what have you been up to in terms of outdoor adventure in the last year? Yeah, so... <laughs> 2022 has been interesting. So yeah, 21, I did the CT, right? And then I was like, okay, I want to, I want to kind of transition a little bit. I kind of want to round up my skill set. So obviously I signed up for the hundred, I signed up for a hundred miler in January, wasn't going to be run till the end of August. And I was just like, screw it. I'm doing it. Hit click, did it. So then the rest of my year really was prepping for the hundred and I don't like running. I don't know about you, but I like, I hate running. I just, I really don't like it. Long mileage anyway. Like it's just, it ruins your day. It's like, it's super tiring, whatever. So I was like, I got to figure out a way to make this fun. So I can, I had six months of training prep to this. Cause I did not want to run this race, drop out at mile 85 and then have to do the freaking thing over again. Was not an option for me. So I ended up, the first thing I kicked it off with was a four by four by 48. So that is by David Goggins and it's the first week of March every year. And so people will start and it's running four miles every four hours for 48 hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you start at 8 PM and it's actually Pacific time, which is, which would be great for you if you did it. And you start at 8 PM and then you run and then your next run is 12 AM, 4 AM, 8 AM. And then it revolves until Sunday, basically. And so you kind of go into it thinking you have four hours to do this, but you actually really only have like, you know, it takes you a half hour or whatever to run the four miles. And then you think you're going to go right to sleep. Well, you don't go right to sleep because you're jacked up. You know, your, your, your adrenaline has been going. I don't know if it's adrenaline, but you're just, your hormones are going from exercising. So you run for a half hour and then it takes like another 45, 50 minutes to actually possibly get any sleep. So then you have a little bit of sleep, then you got to wake up again. And then it's the whole thing, whole thing over and over and over and over again. So that was a really interesting thing because I think about five, like my fifth to last run basically. So I had like five runs after this, like I ended up kind of hurting my Achilles cause I wasn't used to that much pavement running. Yeah. And so I actually got a really inflamed Achilles. So basically the last run that I did, I, it would take almost like three miles for it to warm up. And then I would like do good in the third to fourth, but then I'd have to stop, you know? And so every time I had to, I had to rewarm it up. It was like, it was, it sucked. Anyway, like the last run, I was just like pretty much dragging that foot, but we got it done. It was cool. It was all good. So doing the and, math on that, you're basically running 48 miles in 48 hours, right? Yeah. Because it's yep. it's it's four four miles every four hours. There's twenty four hours in a day, so that's four times six is twenty four out twenty four miles in twenty four hours times two, basically. Right. So forty eight miles in two days. Yeah, and like I mean, prior to that, I really hadn't been I'd been probably doing like ten miles a week, maybe something like that. So like I was not like my looking back on it, my body was just not my ligaments were not in that shape to do it at least to not be injured anyway, mentally I was there, <laughs> but so, but what was really good about that, especially for a hundred, and I encourage anybody to do this if you're doing a hundred or anything is you have to deal with the sleep deprivation, which was what I was concerned about going into the hundred. And that, that was the first thing that gave me really good confidence that I could conquer this sleep depth. And it was just a really good learning experience for that. 
Yeah. Okay. I, I'm going to commit right now. I'm going to commit right now on the podcast that I'm going to do the four by four by 48 in awesome. March. Awesome. Awesome. I dude, I I'm, cannot wait. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to document it. Awesome. No, seriously, it, dude. Um, it's really cool because like everybody from like kind of around the world will do it and they'll kind of, they'll start like at like usually around that same time. Like even David Goggins, cause he lives in California. will he'll start at eight. And so like his social media, he'll go like live on it. And it's really cool. Cause he'll go live periodically. He's like, cause like <laughs> the 4am run the second night is the worst. That'll be the worst run. And he goes live that he went live that day and he's just like, all right, guys, like <laughs> this is going to be the worst run, you know, cause it's cold as shit. And like, it's just not, you're already super stiff and sore. And it, but it was just really cool to see everybody commenting on it. And yeah, dude, you'll crush it. I'm super pumped. <laughs> I don't know. I appreciate the confidence, but we'll, we'll see, but yeah, I'm going to yeah. give it a shot. That sounds, yeah, that yeah. sounds like a, a nice goal to do. Yeah. 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 Now, Tell me why, why decide to do a hundred miler? I mean, what, what possessed you to say, you know what, this is a, something I want to check off. This is something I want to do. Yeah. Really. It kind of comes down to, I want, it was always a bucket list thing for me. And I think as you do more hard stuff, you start to becoming more confident and like thinking that like, maybe you could do this. And that's kind of the point that I was at after the 50 miler I did, even though I was like, I can't believe going, I would have to go 50 more miles. Like that's crazy, but it kind of really comes down to like, I just want to soak out every bit of potential that I could have with my life kind of thing. And that's been um, really easy for me to do, at least in the physical sense of maintaining goals and things like that. And so the hundred was one of the pinnacle ones for that because it's like, it's crazy. I mean, that's crazy. That's a long, that's a long run, man. <laughs> it's a long run, but I don't want to be at the end of my life being like, oh, well I was 30 and I, you know, I just wussed out of this hundred. I was in good shape, great enough shape. And so I just, I, and I knew that it would give me a longer launch pad for more stuff. Cause that's what the JMT did for me. That was like the first thing that like really clicked. And I was just like, Oh, like, okay. I have been living at like 40%. <laughs> so yeah, it was really just about reaching my potential and not regretting it towards the end of my life type of thing to get real deep on you. <laughs> I like deep. I like deep. That's mm -hmm. great. Yeah. Now tell, take us through the, the hundred mile race. How did it go? And uh, when you towed the line, when you got to that start line, what was yeah. going through your head and what was the longest run you had done up to that point? Yeah. Longest run ever up to that point was 50, my 50 miler. And in training, I had done 41 miles around uh, Mount hood, which was tough, but it was pretty fun. Well, that was more of an adventure. That was a crazy run because there's so much snow still because we had so much snow in Oregon. It's like the only person on the trail. <laughs> anyway, so it was really weird because my girlfriend had had crushed a half marathon a couple weeks before this. And it's really funny because her training run to that was like 11 miles. So, you, only, you know, you only have 2.1 miles to go. I'm sitting here like I have to run another of the most I've ever done in my life kind of crazy that's wild. so 
Yeah, but I, and I think, but I was like pretty calm at the start line. Like I was pretty cool. I think like I visualized it so many times, like what it would feel like in the race, starting the race, finishing the race. And so I was, I was really just kind of on autopilot at that point. And I knew that I had my crew there, which was super cool. Like I had crew throughout the, the, the race. My parents were there, which I was super stoked about. And it was going to be a, a pretty mild day because it had been hot, 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 hot. Like if we would have done it the weekend before, I might not have finished it in 32 hours. So very fortunate with the weather. And I felt ready. Yeah, I was I was pretty much ready. Yeah, I was just thinking about getting to the net, the first aid station. That's all. That's all. And how how far out was the first aid station? I think it was ten point nine miles or something. Ten point one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just cut it up into that, like chunks of aid stations. That's all I look. I never ever did I look at. I never calculated how much I had left. I was always like, okay, I have 4.1 to the next one. I have nine to the next one. I have whatever. The only time I started doing that was when I was getting close to the cutoff and I had 18 miles left and I think I had three hours to do it. That's when I got concerned about it. But otherwise the rest of the race, I was totally cool. <laughs> so what was the, what was the total time limit on the race? You had to finish in how many hours? Otherwise it was a, a did not yeah. finish. 32 hours you had to finish it in. Yep, 32. Okay. Well, 100 miles in 32 hours, you're ready for the Barclays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I think Jeff Garmier might be. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I think I'm probably good. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely I was definitely towards the end of the pack for sure. But like that didn't really matter to me cuz I just wanted to finish. At the yeah, time, absolutely. but here, absolutely. here's the other thing though. I gotta say this. So I'm running, and the fr so there's cutoffs every so often at these aid stations. Like you have to be out of the aid station by so and so time, otherwise you're cut. The first cutoff was at fifty forty nine point nine miles, and I'm running, and I'm like, okay, it's like kind of getting towards night, and I'm like, okay, I gotta, I'm, I'm gonna pick up the pace here, blah blah blah. Gets to, I check my watch, I'm at forty nine. I'm like, okay, this should be like here, forty nine point nine. I'm at fifty. I'm at fifty one. I'm like, where is this aid station? It wasn't till fifty two point and some change. This aid station shows up. My crew's like, where have you been? I'm like, dude, this aid station's like two miles. So the rest of the race was kind of this catch up thing. So I actually ended up with like a hundred and three. Yeah, 103 miles on my watch, which was super crazy because everybody had this. So like all of these cutoffs now were really, uh, I was really stressing out about the cutoffs because it was, they were like two to three miles off. So I had to be even faster than what I thought. I wanted to be like an hour and a half above cutoffs. I was being like an hour towards the end. I was like 20, like 30 minutes. Like I was concerned. So the fear really put me into another gear. <laughs> wow. And that's frustrating because you have, yeah. whenever you have expectations and reality doesn't meet expectations, yeah. that's where, that's where the, the problems come in. That's where, yeah. that's where you get frustrated. You know, you expect it's going to take this long or it's, it's just over this hill and it turns out that it's not. And that's when, that's whenever I, that's how I get frustrated on the trail is when, when reality does not match expectations. So that, that had to be maddening. 
Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have said it any better. Actually, I got I got the chills from that because that is like exactly what what it is. It's like you are banking on this thing, you're expecting it to happen, your whole day is revolving, and your time and your crew and everything everything is revolving around this like specific mileage, specific time, and then it's just like it's just not there. You're <laughs> like, but it's the same with through hiking. Like you have to problem solve. And I was like, okay, well, what, there's something that's going to go wrong on this race for me. I don't know what it's going to be, but I knew something was going to like screw up. And I knew that I had to like, obviously I had to problem solve it. And so with this, it was just, you know, thankfully my stomach didn't go south or anything like that. So I, there, I didn't really have any complications with that. It just was the fact of my expectations not being met. And like now, okay, where does my head go? Cause like, am I going to be negative about this and be like stressing out about it? Yeah. So you got to, yeah. Expectations. If you can manage your response to frustration, uh, you, you've put yourself ahead of the game, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. A couple of personal questions about uh, this hundred miler, maybe three questions, three questions. First food. How, how did you, how did you fuel up during the race during these yeah. 32 hours? Great question. So first of all, I carb loaded a couple of days prior and, you know, people have different camps on that with the carb loading stuff. And I got to say, I don't really like doing it because I really feel bloated when I'm like car- and really freaking lazy because I'm just like not moving. I'm just like eating. It really kind of sucks. <laughs> so I don't know what I would do next time with that. But during the race, my strategy was to eat solid foods as often as possible, as early as possible, because I knew that once you're running that long, all the blood's going to your legs, other extremities, and so you're just not going to digest well. So I was eating all my solid foods first. The really interesting thing, and thank God I watched this documentary before, was Anton Krupika or something. This would be a really good podcast guest for you, by the way. He was doing the Leadville 100, and he was jamming Coke, Coca-Cola. And I was like, oh, that's sick. And these aid stations had the Coca-Cola and pretty much from mile 50. No. Yeah. Pretty much from mile 50 on, I was basically running on Coca-Cola and broth maybe. And like a couple pancakes here and there, but like it was pretty much Coca-Cola. Just, I would just put, I had like an extra bottle. I was just like, here, yep. Coca-Cola. They, my crew knew <laughs> the Coca-Cola wow. and it was just the calories, the sugars, the carbs that kept me moving and the caffeine. Cause then, you know, obviously you had to go all night. So yeah, that was a big, big win for me. It was the Coke finding the Coca-Cola and it kind of settled your stomach. Cause it was whatever the, whatever the pop is. Right. Possible awesome. sponsorship opportunity there for you. Yeah. Coca-Cola. Hooch, you know, Hooch Mountain, Coca-Cola. Oh my, you know, Mountain Dew reached out to me one time when I was first getting into that stuff. And I was like, should I do this? But I was like, I don't even drink Mountain Dew. And I don't even like necessarily promote that. Like I promote pretty healthy stuff. And I, and I, so I denied it. And I saw another hiker uh, do a promotion on it and she just got ripped for it. It was like, I was like, okay, that was a good move. <laughs> All right. Now the companion question to the, the, uh, how do you fuel yourself is what do you do about having to go to the bathroom during a hundred mile race? Oh, well, you know, going number one, you're cool. Whatever. You just go in the bushes. Although I really didn't do that too much. I mean, I, I was probably quite dehydrated, but 
Yeah, <laughs> going too. Well, they had porta potties at the at the a lot of the aid stations, but sometimes it's just like a through hike. I mean, you just got to pull over. And thankfully, I when I had to do it, it was it was at night, so that was cool. So I, I was with a pacer, and I was just like, dude. <laughs> I got to like, just get off the trail a little bit here, but it's nice because at least it's not during the day where people are running past and they can see you or whatever. You just shut your headlamp off and it's like pretty private. Actually, it's not bad at all. Really not bad. All right. And during those 32 hours, hundred miles, did you ever, how did you deal with the sleep deprivation? Did you, did you hallucinate yeah. at all? Uh, how, how was that on you? Dude, sleep dep, totally cool. Like I said, with the the four by four by forty eight, and then when I was when I was talking, I was doing a lot of mountaineering. So when we when we did Mount Rainier, we started at nine thirty p.m., went all day, and didn't end until six p.m. It was like a twenty and a half hour day, and so I did a lot of like that type of stuff where we'd get one hour of sleep, we'd go and summit Mount Baker at one a.m. type of thing that was helping me get past this like mental barrier of sleep deprivation that I always thought that I had, but I actually am pretty good. Like I never hallucinated on the hundred. I've never hallucinated at any of those other uh, things that I was doing either. So I think like my brain must be decent with that. I will say that it was very cold and we, me and my pacer didn't have <laughs> as much clothing as we should have. And I actually gave him my gloves cause he was like, his hands were killing him. And so that probably helped us cause we were freaking cold and the other thing was, is I was taking, I took a half of a caffeine pill and that was great. Caffeine pills are rock. But then also I was doing the Coca-Cola. So, I mean, I was pretty jacked up. <laughs> so, and then once this, but then get this, the light thing, once the sun comes up, that light hits your eyes, new day, totally new. You just, you, and it's the same thing with the four by four by 48, hold on to the morning. Cause it's a totally different run. It's literally night and day. Wow. All right. Now what, uh, what was your finishing time? It was 31 hours. It was either 23 minutes or 28 minutes, but I think it was 28 minutes. Yeah. And so back of the pack, but I'm cool with that, dude. <laughs> I'm cool. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that is not a race where you're measuring against somebody else. I mean, just, just no. you're, you're, you're competing against yourself in that time limit. And I think if you finish, you finish, you're, you're a hundred mile yeah. finisher. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, like got the belt buckle, got the belt buckle over here, which is pretty sweet, and uh, that's all I wanted. I was like, I need that belt buckle. Do you wear that on your your uh, your hiking clothes, your climbing clothes? The gold belt buckle. That's a little heavy, Doc. Yeah. I don't know. It's a little heavy. Not ultra light. That's for sure. No, no. <laughs> all right. So if if we have some listeners out there who are considering, you know yeah. what? I've run a marathon, maybe a hundred miler. I mean. The way the hooch has described it has really piqued my interest. I'm going to try a hundred miler. What kind of advice would you give somebody who's, who's planning to do a hundred miler? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I had, I actually have a YouTube video on this, like things to know before a hundred miler. And I'm trying to think of like some of the things, but I think you really need to have like a graduated I'm like a big fan of like this graduated practice type of thing, right? Where, okay, if you're doing marathons, do a 50K. Do then in like a 50 miler. I skipped the 100K, but whatever. But I think like you have to, you have to experience some of these like, okay, how aid state, like, because every ultra that I ran before this, 
I had specific lessons that I took with me to the hundred. Like in my 50K, I was cramping really bad. Didn't really realize the importance of electrolytes. On my 50 miler, I was spending way too much time in aid stations, which made my time not as good as I wanted, which if I would have done that in my 100 miler, I would have been screwed. Every time I was at an aid station, I thought of the 50 miler and I was like, nope. And I would grab stuff, bounce. I'd never sat at an aid station. So I think taking lessons from like the graduated practice, like you could definitely go and try to do a, a hundred miler and you probably, you might even finish, but it might be pretty ugly or you might fail like before, you know, at mile 80 or something. And now it's like, Oh, like I, I'm totally dejected. So I think learning the lessons from smaller ultras is like the best thing to do. And then when you start training for a hundred, make it fun. I probably ran 30 miles a week. That's it. Like, that's it. I was, but I was mountaineering on the weekends. I was doing a lot of bike packing. I was mixing it up and I was just like trying to make myself really resilient. So, and then make sure you're strength training as well, because that'll come back to bite you if you're not. Okay. Great tips. Now I know you, you mentioned, uh, you know, doing some climbing out there. You mentioned Baker, Mount Baker, Mount hood. Yep. Um, I know you, you climb Mount Rainier and yep. those sound like they were all successful. Yes, every single one. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear about. I want to hear about some some unsuccessful stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> why don't you Why don't you tell us about the uh, Wind yeah. River High Route? Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. So, by the way, before I get into this, you just talked about Hood. The last time I was I was on your podcast, I believe I was talking about Mount Hood, and I was just like, yeah, but I don't know if I want to do it this weekend because like I don't want to die or blah blah blah. It just goes to show you like how much like how much more comfortable I became doing this stuff because now I've done hood twice now actually the second time was by myself so interesting stuff regardless failures so the Wind River High Route is this is like I think the next level of through hiking because it's not like well a little bit's on a trail but for the most part it's off trail so a high route is simply just like if you're looking at the mountains in your background of your thing like you. Um, you're basically going through that, but there's no trail. That's like the Wind River High Route. You're going through Talus. You have a kind of a route, a general route, but you don't have a trail to follow. So like you're picking your way through it and picking the best route. Extremely slow travel. Extremely slow. To put that into context, we started at, at a trailhead in Wyoming. It was only 100 miles. That's all this this hike was. So 100 miles. We thought we could do it in six and a half days. And the first day, well, the first day, one of our buddies got COVID and he had to drive back to Iowa or Ohio that day. That was a buzzkill. But me and my other buddy continued and it took us, we went, I think, 11 miles by 10 a.m. on a trail. Okay. And then at around mile 15, we got off trail and we had to start doing our off trail stuff. It took us, we summited Wind River Peak at 13,000 feet, and we had to descend down a gully. Super sketchy. Talus. Loose rock. Cliffs. It took us, we only had to go like a mile and a half. It took us two, it took us over two hours to descend that mile. And we were just ripped up. Like, I mean, dehydrated, altitude, exhausted, scared, because it was pretty scary up there. We were trying to beat the sun. Just could not pitch a tent up there and 
my buddy looks at me, he says, I don't think I can do this for six more days. <laughs> and I was like, dude, that's exactly what I was just thinking. But I was like, let's just wake up in the morning. We'll see how it goes. So wake up in the morning. By the way, we're not where we wanted to be on our itinerary. We're actually two miles, uh, uh, not as close, whatever. Two miles distance from where we wanted to get. Okay, well, we'll do two miles in the morning. Takes us to 10 a.m. again to make two miles. We start at 7. It takes us to 10 a.m., 10.30 to go two miles. We're going so slow. We're off. All that travels off route. You're going, again, over talus, streams, whatever. We finally get to this lake that we were supposed to be camping at the day prior. And I'm just like, dude, like, <laughs> I, don't think we can, I don't think we can do this in six and a half days. Like, we've only went 23 miles and we're dead. And so we ended up calling it. I was just like, the only way that we can get out of here. But here was the problem. It was an end-to-end hike. Our buddy is now in Ohio. He was the one that picked us up and got us to the trailhead, the starting trailhead. So now our car is way in this other place. And we're a, a day and a half out from this trail, from any part of civilization. Like, the winds are super remote. So we're like, screw it. Let's just, like, start hiking out. So we start hiking out. Huge monsoon storm comes. We're like, well, let's just buckle down for a little bit. We get under a tree, blah, blah, blah. No, lasts for four hours, lasts from three to 7 p.m. So we have like half a day where we're not even doing anything. We just have to stay in our tent. Wake up the next day. We get out to the trailhead. takes us all day. And now we have to hitch. We have to hitch like three, like to get to our actual car. It's like three hours away. We're like, oh, my God. So we, I'm like, we're going to have to hitch in the nearest town. Then we're going to have to hitch the next day. And we ended up getting all the hitches. We hitched out into Lander. We got to Lander. We stayed overnight at this awesome park where all these other people were camping. Got two hitches in the morning and we got to our car. Get to our car. I left the lights on. Doesn't start. Oh. <laughs> and it's a rental car, of course. And so we got to get jumped and, and all this stuff. And so, yeah, we had some bruised egos, but that's not even the worst of it, actually, because then. I have to fly back home, right? But my flight, it's its Monday. My flight isn't for seven more days out of Salt Lake City because I'm thinking, well, I'm going to be doing the Wind River High Route, right? So I, we get back to Salt Lake City. We're staying with my buddy. We're seeing if we can stay with him for a couple days. Okay, sweet. I'm looking at those budget fares on my phone. I'm like, i got to buy a budget fare. Like, I don't really care what the time is. Like, I don't want to wait six more days in Salt Lake City and pay a hotel, whatever. So I'm like, I'm gonna schedule another flight. So I'm looking, I'm like, budget fair. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I want whatever. We wake, we wake up the next morning, I don't schedule it. I wake up and we're trying to get going real fast. We're scrambling. And I look at the budget fair and it went down like 50 bucks. I'm like, sick. I'm like, book. <laughs> and I look at the information and I freaking booked it like I was still in Portland flying to Salt Lake. I booked it the wrong way. So now I have two flights, neither of which I want to do. <laughs> two flights. So I'm like, oh, they'll switch it. Call and call and call. Nope. Basically, you're an idiot, Mr. Lipinski. <laughs> so I buy a third flight 
for the next day. And I'm like, whatever, dude, I just want to go home at this point. And so finally ended up getting home, a lot of money spent, pretty big failure. But I think I realized that I like high routes, but that was a really tough one to start off on. That was the Skirka's version of the Wind River high route, which was like insanely tough. I just wasn't ready for it. So wasn't ready for how slow it was. And, but I think we'll be back. There's some other variations that I would like to do. So. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you, you, can't, you haven't checked that off. Is that still on the list? Yeah. That variation of it, not for a while. I think I got to work up my skills for that. Right. I mean, there was some sketchy stuff on that. Like, you know, they were saying class three, like it was class. Some of that was class four. Like you go over the edge you're gone type of thing. And it's super loose. Like I had a big boulder literally roll on my leg. Like I had to bench it off of me. And it's like, dude, you're, I mean, isolated. Like we didn't see anybody that first, like after 10 a.m. that first day. Like we didn't see anybody, anybody. So that was a weird feeling. But yeah, it was fun in its own little weird way, I guess. Fun in, in terms of suffering. Yeah, type two. Yeah, type, type two. two for sure. All yeah. right. Now, tell us a little bit about uh, the life of a content creator, an outdoor influencer. <laughs> what kind of content are you putting out there for folks? What What can they expect to find on your different feeds? Yeah, man. I mean, well, you'll find that video, by the way. You'll find that failure video. Uh, but you also see I do a lot of um, some different kind of top gear stuff. But I really love creating long-form content documentary style of my adventures and things like that. And that's primarily on YouTube. TikTok and Instagram is a little bit more of like a comedy kind of skit more things. But I am getting more into keywords on that because they're prioritizing SEO. So I'm getting more like into the educational piece. But if anybody is actually interested in um like the social media side, I do, I actually, this is actually a really good plug for my course. Cause I actually have a course on how to grow as a, as an outdoor creator. So you can go into my, uh, Instagram and what is it? The not, I always call it LinkedIn, but it's, what is the link? We go into Lincoln bio and it's not link tree, link tree, link tree, yeah. link tree, go into my link tree. And for somebody that's just starting out, there's a free ebook that I have. You can have the free ebook for free, obviously. And then for other people, if they're really serious, I have an outdoor creator course. So ton of videos there that I don't have anywhere else that is all about how to grow as an outdoor creator, how to batch content quickly, how to get brand deals so you can make extra money to adventure more, how to understand all this kind of stuff. So that was actually a really good plug for that. <laughs> Thanks. Nice. Man, Hooch, I am I am constantly amazed by you. Here you here I am talking to you. I'm thinking, okay, this he's he's out there, he's he's running, he's hiking. But you've got ebooks, you've got uh courses for outdoor yeah. creators. I mean, who are you? <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. No, I really appreciate that. Cause actually before this, I I was really stressing about like where I'm like going in my like professional life and like what I'm trying to prioritize and I think that in 2024 that, or 2023, sorry, that I am going to be prioritizing more of the professional side of this stuff because I'm really good at doing this physical stuff, but I still have some mental blocks and some mental limitations when it comes to the professional side. So 
there'll always be physical stuff. Like I always have to have that to keep in shape, which we might actually be going to Kyrgyzstan. That would be really sweet for uh, like a 24,000 foot peak possibly. But yeah, the professional side of things is something I need to uh, work on a little more. So I appreciate that, man. (laughs) Well, I cannot wait to see where you are in 4,022. Best best part of the podcast right there. <laughs> hey, what's the time frame on the Kyrgyzstan? So I was talking to my buddy. I actually met him at the top of Mount Hood, and this dude is freaking ah, – I could sh- I should set you up with him for an interview. We can talk later. He's an animal, and we're looking at next summer. So I actually – what's funny is I actually – I've never been out of the country. I literally just applied for a passport two weeks ago. So like – yeah, the first time I go out of country, like I'm going to go to Kyrgyzstan, do a 24,000 foot peak maybe and pretty on brand, right? Maybe. Yeah, go big. That's right. That's <laughs> so right. we'll see, man. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see where I'm at with jobs and, that, and stuff. You don't meet with your friends like at a Starbucks and talk about this stuff. You, you meet on top of a mountain somewhere and talk about it. That, that's and on I, brand as well. That's, that's right I, on brand. And I, you know what? You describe my life perfectly and I would never want it any way else. Yep. Because a matter of fact, that girl that I moved out here with, she was a big fan of like going to brunch in Portland and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, not like into that, blah, blah, blah. Would much rather meet up on a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, after you, you get back from that 24,000 foot peak, you got to come back and tell us about it. I would love to. Oh, dude. Always love coming on the podcast and chopping it up with you, Doc. Nice. Hey, Hooch, you know where we are? Is it the pro tip insight? Pro tip insight of the week. Nice. That's gotcha. right, half calf. It is the pro tip inside of the week. That time of the episode where Hooch gets to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. What do you have for us, Hooch? Okay. So since we were kind of talking about ultras, but this can also tie into through hiking. So um, one of the things that I brought with me that worked really well especially my ultra when you're, you have to have a, your stomach is like nauseous and stuff are these things called gin, gin, ginger chews. So it's basically like this ginger candy that ultra runners will take when their stomach starts to get nauseous and things. And so I took it was, like I said, my stomach was great all throughout the thing. And actually my, my girlfriend was getting nauseous a couple days ago or something. And so I was like, Hey, like go into my closet, whatever, grab these chews totally worked so i think like having these on trail is not a bad thing at all especially if you're prone to like upset stomachs because i mean let's face it you're not eating like the best diet out there so this could be something that you might want to add into maybe like your little first aid kit or something so this is a little that's a little bit of an outlandish unique tip but it's like who's gonna say that (laughs) we'll take it we'll take it gin gin ginger juice or you could go doc's route and that is you just eat a half a pound of cheese before you go out on, on the trip they have not you, don't, you don't have to worry about anything. Right. <laughs> yeah, you bring like 50% less TP, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is going ultra light. That is an ultra light tip. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. There you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Scratch. I want to thank him for joining us this week. Uh, Chad, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? What are those uh, social media handles once again? Yeah. Chattahoochee underscore, and you'll find me TikTok, Instagram, and then YouTube is my name, Chad Lubinsky. And then I 
have a news <laughs> yeah you're probably gonna be like what the heck and then i also have a newsletter in my link tree so that <laughs> that has got geeking me out that has got exclusive tips on there i only send it monthly though so you're not getting spammed on it but um i am brainstorming a mountain creator no what was it a mountain training academy course we'll talk later but anyway wow. be kind of cool yeah hopefully i could get that going you are impressive i think you should just rebrand <laughs> to outdoor media i think so too everything i think so outdoor too media. i mean you've you yeah. got it all covered yeah no i appreciate that <laughs> all right hey remember to check out the pod on social media as well we are on facebook youtube instagram twitter and tiktok and if you have comments or clips you want to share you can send it to me at john at gmail.com the adventure media recommendation all right hooch i'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book a movie documentary website something some kind of uh, adventure media to keep our listeners connected to the trail calling this our adventure media recommendation what do you have for us oh okay so Oh my God. I have so many that I always, that I'm always watching. The one that jump up, the one that jumps out at me though is called, and that's because I can't remember the name of the other one. It's called Lhotse. I think L H O T S E. It's a Himalayan peak. Mm -hmm. And it was the first ever ski ascent by this guy named Jim Morrison and Hillary Nelson. Really, really, we actually, me and my girlfriend watched it before her half marathon. It was really good, really good documentary. Unfortunately, Hillary Nelson just passed away like two weeks ago up in the Himalayas yeah, on a ski. That's right. That's yeah. Right. Wow. So it was like really bizarre because I was like, oh my God, like I just watched that. You know, I just watched that documentary. Right. But it was it was a really good documentary. And, you know, she was like she was a savage. Mm -hmm. And you could tell in that documentary. And, you know, so she, she passed away, unfortunately, but she was doing what she loved, which, you know, I guess that's one way to look at it. But yeah, that's a really good documentary that I would watch on YouTube for free. And yeah. Yeah. That had to be a little strange because if yeah. any good documentary that you watch, you feel a connection right. to the subjects in that documentary. You feel like you know them after a good, good one. And then to have that happen just a couple of weeks later. That's, uh, that's, that's gotta be wild. hundred percent. And you know, what was really weird too, is there was another one, um, on Amazon prime that I was just watching with her in it as well. It was like a con conglomeration of all these different climbers and things. And they were literally like specifically going over like death and she was talking about it. Wow. And then like a week later, like she's, she passed away and I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. But really good documentary. And I think Lotse is a really cool name for a kid. If I ever had a kid, not bad. There you but I probably name, would have to climb it. <laughs> you can name your kids after Himalayan peaks. Yeah, that like I haven't climbed, right? Like, I don't know if that's cool or not. <laughs> you can have Lotse, and then your second born could be K2. <laughs> kind of like Kid 2, K2. I mean, that fits, right? That's not bad. Go from there. Yeah. Like Dulagiri. <laughs> wow. Okay. Dropping <laughs> yeah. some knowledge right there. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So. What have we not asked you? All right, Hooch. We're at that segment where uh, before we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you, what have we not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What did we miss? What did we leave out? 
Oh man, what do we leave out? Let's see. Um, oh, I guess. So one of the, well, okay. Here's another extra tip for hundred milers. Around mile 80, I got this extremely painful shin splint in both of my shins. And by the time I was about at mile 90 or something, I was pretty much just dragging my left leg. Like I could not, I was basically dragging myself on my tracking poles. And what I actually ended up figuring out was that I never trained what is called your tibialis anterior muscle, which is like, if you look at your shin right now and you like flex your foot up and down, it's like that muscle that would work from that. And so anybody that's even doing any kind of ultra, you're doing your four by four by 48, you're doing, especially anything though, with like a lot of descent, cause that's where I started getting a lot of it. Train that tibialis interior because I totally neglected that through, I was good with every single other muscle group, did not even think about that one. And so it's just a really good thing, really good thing to know, like to bulletproof your, your armor before you do something huge. So how do you try, do you train that muscle? What I've been doing is I use a band and I will like put a band and I'll like kind of uh, wrap it around like a pole or something or girth hitch it around a pole. And then I'll just sit down and I'll like do it. Like I'm, I would sit, like I'm stretching my hamstrings, you know, when your, your feet are out in front of you and I'll just wrap that um, band around my toe on my shoe. And then I'll just flex my foot back and forth, plantar flex or whatever. And I'll do like 30 reps of it and then I'll switch and then I'll do like three sets of that. Um, but a, a really good, I was on this uh, free training program actually by the uphill athlete and it was a muscular endurance workout. And that really prepped me very, very well for the hundred. But just the one thing I was not, I was missing was that, that part. So I would throw that in there for anybody's training, if, especially if you're a runner. Okay. There you go. A second free pro tip. Nice job. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, Hooch, that is a wrap from the John Freakamere studio. Any shout outs to friends and family? You know, my mom is in the hospital right now, unfortunately. So got to give a shout out to mom, Mary, and uh, obviously my dad. They both came out for the hundred uh, a few weeks ago when I did it. And that meant so much to me. And it was awesome. So, and then also Haley, she's always supporting me. So yeah, all those important people in my life. Well, Mary, if you're listening to this right now in the hospital, or maybe you're out of the hospital by now, um, listen to a lot of the other episodes on the John freaking mirror pod. They make you, they make you laugh, make you feel better. Yeah. You'll be on your feet in no time. Hope, hope she does well. Hey, thanks man. Appreciate that. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you spent the entire day longing for the upgraded slop up in stateside. The trail <laughs> is the trail. Love Embrace it. the suck. <laughs>
Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.